0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. October isn't quite over yet, people. We still got basketball, baseball, football, hockey, college sports all going on at the same time, and the only way to keep up with all of your favorite sports and Vegas casino games is with betonline.ag head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use the promo code believe 50 b-l-e-a-v 50 to receive your bonus bet online where the game starts easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. It is Stripe Hype Friday, the final Stripe Hype Friday of this wonderful month of October. Stripe Hypes very own Blake Jude is joining us once again for his weekly spot here on the pod we love our buddy Blake Jude. He is always so fantastic, and we much appreciate him. We've got a great show, which unfortunately we recorded on Wednesday, so we didn't get to talk or watch or detail the chaos packers Cardinals game because, oh my lord, that was the most chaotic football game I've ever seen. First, let's go back to the first half because obviously the end of the game was just ridiculous, but let's start off. First half, Kyler Murray... Threw nine passes in the first half. He had one that was a 55-yard completion to DeAndre Hopkins. If you take away the one 55-yard completion, Kyler Murray finished three of eight for 16 yards, no touchdowns, and one pick. If you put the DeAndre Hopkins pass into the calculation, he finished with a 33 quarterback rating. Thirty-three. It was amazing. And the Packers were dominating time of possession because their defense didn't have their defensive coordinator. And they explained on the broadcast how the cornerbacks coach was relaying a a coverage to the inside linebackers coach who was relaying it to Devondre Campbell, the middle linebacker, who was relaying it to the team. Like, it was a crazy system they had because their defensive coordinator was part of the group that was knocked out from COVID. By the way, they also had no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, no Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Robert Tunyon may have torn his ACL during the third quarter of the game, so it was just absolute pandemonium for the Packers but they just decided we're going to dominate time of possession we're going to go back to game manager Aaron Rodgers and that's our strategy we're just going to game manage the holy hell out of this one and just eke away a low scoring victory which I should have probably seen coming before picking the Cardinals minus six anyways so then we get to the point it's like 17-7 and all of a sudden the Arizona Cardinals decide, okay, we're just going to go short conversions. We're going to go 7-yard pass, 7-yard pass. We're not going to try and take the big home run plays because Kyler keeps throwing them in accurately and I don't know how his finger impacted the game or what it was. But it's just going to be short play, short play, short play. We're going to take what the defense gives us. We're going to march down the field. And it ended with a touchdown to, I believe, Zach Ertz had the second one. And that was it was 17-7 right before the fourth quarter. And then you had touchdown there. Touchdown for the Packers. Touchdown for the Cardinals. It's 24 to 21. Packers are going to milk every second off of the clock that they can. They go from like eight minutes left down to three minutes left. First and goal at the one. They get stuffed on first down. And they get stuffed bad on first down. Like it was a really good play by, I believe it was Collins and Zach Allen that were in on the tackle on that one. And they stuff them. Like they're a yard and a half back. It's second down. And for the first time, Probably in two years. Because remember, the Green Bay Packers, for the regular season 2020 when Rodgers won MVP, they were the best goal line offense in the history of the NFL. And it's like that Buccaneers game just kind of wiped all that away for me. It's like ever since then, they just haven't been the same when they get to the goal line. They've been a bad team in goal line situations, given that they have maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And so... The Packers on second and goal, it feels like, oh, they're not going to get this. And they have a delay of game come in because they didn't have any timeouts left because this is where the chaos game has taken us, where you have Kyler Murray playing awful. Aaron Rodgers game managing, throwing a lot of incompletions because the Cardinals defense is really good. He's got like a 60 quarterback rating and he's still finding a way to win and they've got no timeouts, so they're taking a delay of game with third and goal at the one. Rodgers scrambles and gets back to the one-yard line for fourth and goal. By the way, there's also a play earlier where Rodgers is getting sacked and being pulled by the jersey, and as he's being sacked, he's like pointing to the official like, are you going to call it? Are you going to call it? Like, What the hell is going on? And so the whole way through... You just have chaos, chaos, chaos. And now it's fourth and goal at the one. Rogers runs a play action play that was total blown play by the Packers. All of a sudden Rogers is scrambling. He tries throwing to a guy who's covered and like doing that Rogers thing where he fits it in like a six inch window. It gets batted down. There's two thirty to go. It just it's chaos breaking out because now The Packers go from on first and goal scoring the touchdown and having it overturned on replay to now 24-21. Cardinals have 99 yards to go, and you feel good about it. Like, I know Kyler hasn't been doing well, but you feel good about the Cardinals' chances in that moment. And all of a sudden, Arizona gets 20-yard pass to Christian Kirk. 20-yard pass to Christian Kirk. Get down to the 45-yard line. Big play to DeAndre Hopkins. All of a sudden, they're in field goal range. Then they go to Zach Ertz. It's first and goal. Then (laughs) with 30 seconds left, they run the ball on first and goal with, I believe at this point, it's James Conner because Edmonds is out, but maybe it was Edmonds and Conner got hurt or something like that. So all of a sudden, they call a draw play on first and goal from the eight. With 30 seconds, I'm like, no, no, don't do that. And the game plan all the way through is like you're playing four downs. So you're going to call the draw play, use your last timeout with 14 seconds, and get three plays off. Or if you don't get it on the first two plays, you can go to overtime with a Matt Prater field goal. And A.J. Green on a, on a fade route to the end zone. He doesn't turn around. He's one-on-one. He's A.J. Green. Maybe Hall of Famer, but regardless, six foot three, six foot four, gigantic wide receiver against a corner who was added off the practice squad. Rasul Douglas. And he doesn't turn around. I've never seen that at the end of the game. He doesn't turn around. And it gets intercepted. And the game is over. And it's just amazing chaos football. Let's not pretend we learned anything about the Packers or anything about the Cardinals from this game. It was just chaos bleeping football at its finest. Just absolutely insane. One of the most chaotic football games I've ever seen. That's all I got to say for that one. So with that being said, let's roll along on the podcast here with our buddy Blake Jude of Stripe Hype Cincy where we will not be talking about the Packers-Cardinals game, but we will be talking about a plethora of other football topics. Rodgers is so disgruntled with Green Bay Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going. He is not making this about money. He wants out of there and he's telling you there
1: is no amount of money. We want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that. And, um... You know, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between the Green Bay Packers and Devontae Adams is not good. As far as this weekend, as far as
0: training camp, we will see. There's been one message consistently coming out of Aaron Rodgers' camp, and and that's, I don't want to be here. So you said this was a big week for your scouting because Kentucky was on by, which is kind of funny because it was just an absolutely putrid week of college football. So maybe not the greatest week to watch, but I assume you're doing this also outside of your free time where you're going back to watch old game tape.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's been, a, it's been a lot of stuff. And I mean, even even in these games that are, are bad. It's, it's it's important to watch prospects have good and bad games, you know? Like, you, you know, you don't always want to see their highlights and their best plays because that's just going to create bias uh, amongst scouting. So even even in bad games, you know, it's important to see how players perform uh, and, and to see what actually happens in games, even if it's a blowout, you know? There's certain things that, you know, usually if I'm seeing them play an FCS team versus an SEC team, you, you could understand, like, looking at a play, and you're like, well, that's a play that Georgia would make easily, but this is – you know, this is someone from the Sun Belt. You know, this is, this is something that normally happens. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's important to understand, like, you know, who's playing who and what's going on and how talented these teams are. But I think for me to be able to actually go through a lot of tapes this week and look at some players, um, I've gotten – I've compiled a list this year. This is the first time I've ever, ever done this. I compiled a list before I started scouting of guys that I am going to scout. So I have, like, a list of 230 guys that I'm going to go through and see – Uh, That list will change, of course, whenever players decide to go back to school or not, but I have a list, and I'm going to start trying to create actual scouting reports starting, I don't know exactly when, probably the next couple of weeks, hopefully, Uh, and I'm going to get official scouting reports out.
0: You're just doing it so you can start early this year. You want to make sure that you get it all in early as you can so that you're not doing like five people a week or five people a night for every week or something like that.
1: Yeah. So I, I did three for a long time, three people every day. Uh, I tried to at least um, two or three people a day. It, it just really depends. Uh, and I'm kind of like, I'm not an insomniac, but I don't sleep until very late anyways. So normally whenever I get home, I, I spend like a good two hours just watching stuff and, and trying to uh, get, get a list down. I actually just got my scouting notebook for this, for this year. I'm going back to the, the notebook. I'm not doing the online thing like last year. It's changed up a little bit again for me, but I'm excited to see how it all works out. And I'm, I'm going to try to start out with going with like big time prospects and seniors and guys that I know are going into the draft first. That way I can hopefully minimize the amount of people that ended up not going into the draft because last year I had like three or four scouting reports of, of guys that ended up going back to school and it made it pretty awkward. Like I of just lost it all. <laughs> So. Oh,
0: give us a real quick scouting breakdown. You said you've started doing some research here. Let's go. You're the, you're the NFL draft guy. I'd love giving you the platform to do all of your NFL draft research nerdy stuff, even though it doesn't really get super exciting until like March. But still, when we have to, you know, right now we've got tons of content, but then we have to start dragging content out of the NFL draft. So what do you have? What do you have for us on early NFL draft analysis?
1: Well, let's look at the summary right now of what I'm seeing in round one. I definitely think this is going to be a defensive heavy draft this year. You're looking at a lot of defensive guys that can have – I think have loads of talent, especially at edge and at corner. I think those are the two probably strongest positions throughout the first round. Kayvon Thibodeau is the best, is the best player in this class right now in my eyes. Uh, there's been a couple other people who brought up Derek Stingley from LSU, Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame. Uh, it seems like Thibodeau is probably the best prospect at this very moment. He's a very, very strong edge rusher from Oregon, a guy that has been able to move all across the line and win many different ways. Uh, very good technique already. Has the size, has the speed, has the strength to be great. And I'm really excited to see who's the first overall pick to be able to get him. I think his fit with the Detroit lions is absolutely perfect at the lions and the first overall pick. So I'm looking at that being one of the, my favorite things right now, but a guy that I kind of caught on really early that has sudden, suddenly risen up the ranks is edge rusher, Aiden Hutchinson, which is one of the guys that I was going to mention that I scouted last year, originally my scouting report. I thought he would go to the draft last year and I had a second round grade on him. but he decided to return to school. And it, I think it was the best decision he's made. Um, He has been unreal this season, and I think he's probably earned himself maybe the talks of being a top five pick now, uh, along with Thibodeau, Hamilton, and Stingley. It really kind of feels like those four are the, at least in my eyes, the top four prospects at this very moment. When you're looking at the quarterback class, I think you could probably argue this might be one of the weakest, if not the weakest class in the last couple of decades. Uh, which says a lot because we've had a couple of bad ones in the past. This has been, yet again, I, I, mean, I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago, but I'll say it again. There's just not one top guy yet in the cornerback class that is really separated at all. You see a lot of people who like Carson Strong from Nevada. We see some, uh, you know, Malik Willis from Liberty, who I like a pretty good bit. Matt Corral from Ole Miss has been another popular name that's popped up lately. Uh, Oh, we We need to break
0: in here because by the way, we're recording this on Wednesday, but Martín Maldonado just hit a two RBI double for the Houston Astros in game two of the World Series. Uh It is four to one Houston in the second inning off of Max Freed. Oh my goodness. Did I forget to mention off the start that we're recording this during the world series? Absolutely. <laughs> am I also going to be the asshole who breaks into content whenever something happens during the world series? Yes, I am. Is Blake going to hate me after this podcast? Yes, he will. Anyways. No, no, no. I, I love
1: this because I know I love this because you know what I, I need to, I need my updates of the world series. Cause I'm not watching the game right now. I'm trying to, you know, focus on the podcast. So it's good to get my updates because you know, I, I hate to be the, uh, the, the the guy who cheers for the Astros, but being a Reds fan, I'm cheering for Dusty Baker. I wanted to get his World Series so go Astros. So I'm happy to hear that.
0: Don't worry. Uh, this is a this is an Astros friendly podcast. We are rooting for the Astros to win because we are also sports anarchists. So I we are absolutely rooting for the Astros to win the World Series here. You don't have to worry. This is a pro Astros podcast. Anyways, so glad Matt Corral. to be on the right side of things.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Corral's been a guy that's also been a popular name. That's been a guy that's been in Heisman talks. But again, he's not He's not really what you're looking at in a prototype quarterback at the next level. I think he can be solid, but, you know, you, you, t- you put him in last year's class and I'm, I'm pretty sure he'd probably be the Matt Jones tier of quarterbacks. It just kind of shows you how far off this quarterback class is the past. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the season, Sam Howell's a guy I liked a lot. He's starting to drop off boards a little bit. Spencer Rattler, who I'm sure you know pretty well by now, is a guy that has completely fallen off all boards and has now been benched for our freshman Caleb Williams, who's been playing really, really well this year. Um, you know, whenever he's got the chance to play, at least. So Spencer Rattler's entire, um, you know, he was once predicted to be the number one overall prospect in this year's class, and that that has completely tanked to being almost at this point, undraftable since he's been benched. So, I mean, it, it has really been an interesting you know outlook on this quarterback class. He's st- still got some guys who like Desmond Ritter out there from Cincinnati. I'm quite the fan of Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. I think he can be a really good prospect. And actually, Mel Kiper released his big uh, his positional rankings this week, and uh, Kenny Pickett was his number one overall quarterback, which I'm not too sure if I agree with that, but I think he can be a pretty good quarterback maybe in the first round. There are just a lot of guys – uh, even Will Levis from Kentucky, a guy that you know, I'm quite a big fan of, of course. I don't even know if he's going to go into the draft this year, but he's been thrown around as the possibility in the first two rounds. So uh, there's been so many names of quarterbacks out there, but it really feels like there's not one consensus top guy at the moment. While it feels like for defense, there's just so many guys at the top that are just being so hyped up about right now. DeMarvin Leal, Jordan Davis, um, you know, even guys like George Karlaftis from Purdue, um, Drake Jackson from USC. Mujai Sanders from Cincinnati. There's just so many guys on defense who I think are, are going to be high picks this year. If you're a team that's in need of defense, this is the draft for you. This is going to be a defensive focused draft. In my opinion,
0: everyone knows about Evan Neal being the, you know, like six, seven gigantic offensive lineman from Alabama. Who's going to be a top three pick in the draft. He might be the number one pick in the draft possibly, but who, uh, how many other offensive linemen do you think early on could be like top 10 to 15 picks?
1: good question because outside of Evan Neal, who I would even say hasn't been perfect this year, he's actually had a lot of moments where he struggled. And I know a lot of people who don't like him at all. Um, there hasn't been a lot of guys that have really showed up much else after this. I think one guy that I really look towards is Charles Cross, the offensive tackle um, uh, from, uh, I, w- I want to say Texas a and I believe, uh, is a guy that I I am a very high on as well, and I think has kind of earned the consensus as the – excuse me, not – not Texas A and Mississippi State. My fault. Uh, he's earned the consensus as the second best offensive tackle in this class at the very moment. I've seen a lot of people even put him first. He kind of feels like another guy that I could see being in that, you know, kind of kind of think of a, a Rashawn Slater uh, type, you know, draft pick. He he's a guy that was originally in the round, late round one, early round two at the very moment. But he's a guy that I can easily see climbing up into the top fifteen considerations um, after we see all the testing and see what happens and everything. I think he can really help us stock out later this is a uh, offensive line class that is really, really catered to the interior. At the very moment, I Kim and Conwu, a guy from NC State, is a guy I like a lot in the interior. I think he can be one of the better uh, guards in this class and he can be a guy that goes round one. Um, there's even uh, Darian Kennard, a former or current Kentucky Wildcat interior offensive lineman he's currently playing left tackle. He might be able to play tackle. Uh, in the NFL but he's a guy that I think a lot of people see as a guard right now and I can see that as well being a very very good run blocker I think he can be a very high pick in this draft possibly a first rounder Tyler Linderbaum the center from Iowa has been a guy that's been oozed over among many uh, draft scout fans he's probably gonna be one of the best center prospects we've seen in the class since boy I don't know it's probably since I would say James Daniels cut several years back um, I think he could be one of those top guys that maybe go in the top 15 as well there's, just, there's a lot of interior guys that they can go really high, but rarely, I think, we, we don't see this a lot. Um, I think there's only going to be two tackles I really see right now being first-round picks, that being cross and Evan Neal, as I said. But for the interior, I'm, I'm looking at guys like, like I said, Nkwanu, uh, Danny Kennard, Tyler Linderbaum, even guys like Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, and even Z- and, uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College, who can all be – uh, possible first round picks this year if they're able to continue to be good on the interior. So for the offensive line, you're really looking at an interior guy the first round. I think the, the tackle value kind of comes a little bit later when you get guys like Daniel Falele from Minnesota, um, you know, Zion Nelson from Miami, Jackson Kirkland from Washington, Bayer Mumford from Ohio State. That's when you're gonna find a lot of the better value in rounds I would say two, three, four for a tackle.
0: So in the case of I forgot the name of the guy, but NC State guy. So like that would be someone that maybe like a team that makes the playoffs, that's struggling with offensive line, then also has a generational quarterback that has thrown a lot of interceptions this year, could maybe target in the first round.
1: Yeah, I would I would love that. Currently I Kim Kwanu is a guy that I-, I kind of see as being at least in my eyes, right now, currently my favorite offensive guard of, in the class at this very moment. He's a plug and play guy. He's going to come in and be an immediate starter for a team, which is I think exactly fits your bill. It is exactly what you would want in this case. I could see a team like Green Bay just looking at this guy, wanting to take a flyer on him. I know they already have a pretty well-built offensive line. But you never have enough offensive linemen, as they always say. So I think he could be a very, very good potential fit there in a Green Bay team, maybe even a team like the Chiefs who could continue to use help on the offensive line, or maybe even a team like the Buccaneers who also can use some possible help on the offensive line. I could see him being a great fit for any of those teams. He's a guy I really, really like. Look at guys like Darian Kennard and maybe even Tyler Linderbaum. I think those are both guys who – might not be as plug-and-play as what some people think. I think Dane Kennard is a instant plug-and-play for a run-heavy run, a t- uh, run heavy team, but for a pass block, he might need to you know have some adjustments. And he's also playing tackles entire career in Kentucky, so he would have to be able to to move to guard and be able to fit the bill there accurately. So he might take some time. Linderbaum is going to be a very high pick, I think, at least in my eyes right now. I can see him being a top-15 prospect. He's a guy that is really, really – agile and is able to keep the second level and be a very good center. I think he's also got a lot of strength. He's one of those athletic freaks, I think, at the center position that a lot of people really, really like. And he's versatile enough to where I can see him playing guard as well, if need be. So he might be a plug-and-play guy, but I just think he might go a little bit higher than people expect. But, yeah, I at Akuanu, I think, is probably the one guy you would look at being like it's a plug-and-play guard right there for a team that could use a guard right now.
0: Michael Brantley just hit a single – to drive in Martin Maldonado that makes it 5-1 Houston Astros at the end of the second inning, which is the result that I thought would happen in game one off of Charlie Morton, but appears to be Max Fried's turn to play like Framber Valdez and have the shortest start in a World Series game two in like 40 years, I think is about to happen for Max Fried. So yes, baseball that by the time people hear this on Friday will be two days old, but fortunately... Uh, There won't have been another game being played by the time we drop this podcast because there's an off day on Thursday where we can all watch Packers Cardinals, uh, which is going to be an awesome game, even if there's no Devontae Adams or J.J. Watt. Uh, Anyways, uh, oh, I was going to make a joke about Texas A&M and Mississippi State, which you confused earlier because I'm like, yeah, those are about the same school. One's got more money, (laughs) but is there really that much of a difference between Texas A&M and Mississippi State? Like really, when it comes down to it, There's, they're they're kind of the same school. See,
1: here's what I hate about it: the same colored team, like they're the exact same colors, right? Like yep. the only difference is really the logo. Exact same colors. Both of them play in the SEC, and both of them have a couple of really strong offensive linemen in the, in the draft this year. So Kenyon Green from is, is from A and M, and Charles Cross is from. Uh, Mississippi state. So you, you get them flipped sometimes. You just kind of confuse them back and forth and stuff. But yes, they are the exact same school with the exact same colors from the exact same conference. So it, it's uh, totally understandable. You get those
0: and every five years, they'll beat Alabama every now and then every five years, they'll beat Alabama every seven years. They'll have one year where they're ranked like t- in the top five for like three weeks. And then they'll lose to, I don't know, Auburn. That's usually what ends up happening.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And <laughs> it, it's uh, that, that, that's one thing that gets me so bad. Like for teams like, I don't know why, but for, for certain teams that I'm just so used to seeing, I think of teams like Memphis who have such an obvious look about them. UCLA, I think, is another good example. They have a very unique color scheme. It's so easy to remember what schools those players belong to. Uh, you know, Florida is another one I think is very unique. And you're just so used to. Oregon, of course, has different jerseys all the time. So you obviously know when an Oregon Duck is an Oregon Duck. Um, but for teams like, I, I really think that that's probably one of the best examples, but also Vanderbilt, Missouri, another one I can get confused up sometimes. Uh, I, I look at, you know, possibly other teams, like especially in group of five conferences that all have the same uniforms. Those are also very, very confusing. Yeah, so All those red
0: teams are confusing. Like you got Arkansas and Nebraska, which have kind of been the same school for about a decade. A lot of the schools yeah. that have red jerseys are hard.
1: Nebraska, Wisconsin is a great one. That's another one that I really get confused a lot between those two teams because even though they're in different conferences and, and different teams altogether, um, together. Right. Nebraska and you know, Wisconsin do, are same, in the same. So, even yeah. though they're in the same conference, oh, yeah, yeah. excuse me, uh, and, uh, and are very, very similar t- color schemes, despite them being not as good, Nebraska not being as good as Wisconsin, I still get them confused all the time whenever I look at both those teams because they're just so similar in color and how they play. I don't know. It's just, it's it's weird.
0: Yeah. All the big 10 schools are kind of the same in how they play. They're going to, they're going to throw 30 times. They're going to have like a 60% completion percentage, and they're just going to aggressively run the ball in the case of Nebraska. They're always going to have a Martinez at quarterback for literally <laughs> my entire life. It's always going to be a Martinez playing quarterback at Nebraska. Just like it's always going to be an Allen playing quarterback at, at Arkansas.
1: You're totally right. But, I, I think one thing that I, I find really funny is like I'm so concentrated on watching like one or two players for a certain team. Like, I will, I will do an entire scouting report, and that's like when I start writing it out, I go back and I'm like, wait, what team did they play on again? You know, like, you just you totally forget because you're just so like tunnel visioned on this one guy. You're not looking at the score, you're not looking at what's happening around you. You're just focused on watching this one guy play, and you just kind of forget, like, what is this yeah. guy
0: from? Michigan state feels like a perfect example of that. And that's not just a transition to talk about the Michigan, Michigan state game this weekend, but Michigan, Michigan state feels like that where there's like three players that, you know, cause they're going to be NFL prospects. And after that, it's basically the same Michigan state team. It's always been where they're always going to have a Kirk cousins at quarterback. They've had a Kirk cousins at quarterback for like 13 years. They're just different versions of Kirk cousins, whether it's Connor cook or Lewerke. I forgot the name of the guy now, but he's basically just a Kirk cousins, they've had basically the exact same version of a quarterback. They're always going to have a big defensive line. They're going to have one, you know, corner or safety that ends up going in the draft like they it's always the same team. Except this time they have a Heisman trophy running back that differentiates itself. But other than that, it's pretty much the same Michigan State team every time.
1: Yeah, Kenneth Walker is the big difference maker in this team. I think it's the biggest reason why they're as good as what they are right now. He has been an unreal running also back. Also, the fact uh, that
0: Northwestern was the hardest game they've played on their schedule so far. Yeah,
1: certainly another factor. But you know, you could argue Michigan hasn't really had the uh, the hardest schedules of, of all either. So, I mean, they they're gonna be they're gonna be playing some tough games right now with Ohio State and Penn State coming up uh, between as well as Michigan and teams like that so I really look at those teams being the ones that I, I do personally like those games are gonna tell you a lot and they're gonna tell you how good these team these teams are and who's the actual top dog because these are all all teams that have Ohio State's the only one that's been battle tested at least in my eyes in Penn State as well and none of them really, really met up standards so far. So let's see who can make it out of these four stretches games with, with a better record. And that will really tell me who the top dog is right now. But personally, I think Michigan is better than Michigan State. I think they win this game because I really get that defense playing a huge factor. I'm a big fan of their defensive guys right now. Dexton Hill, their safety's played really well this year so far. Aiden Hutchinson, like I mentioned earlier, is going to be a top five prospect in this draft class. He's a guy that I was super high on early and I think is now finally coming to his own. Has become a dominant force He's going to be a very, very strong prospect for the future, and he's going to be another big-time factor in this game yet again. Uh, and, and for a guy like Kenneth Walker, I think he can he can manage and he can run, he can do well enough on the ground. But Michigan State's always play with the lead, and whenever they're playing with the lead, that helps Kenneth Walker be able to secure runs and be able to you know keep the keep the. The field time of possession with Michigan State in this battle, I don't think it's going to work against Michigan because they're going to be prepared with a defensive line and secondary to be able to stop Michigan State whenever they need to be able to get points on the board.
0: You know that we like to make fun of college football here on the podcast. We've we've been doing ACC coastal jokes for like a year and a half now, pretty much, and they they never stop being funny for me. I'm sure people on the podcast are tired of it of ACC and Pac-12 jokes, but they'll never stop being funny to me. But I, I had said before this that it felt like th- the big 10 had like five top 10 teams and they were all going to start beating each other up at some point, And then there would only be like one at the end who beats everyone up. And it was probably going to be Ohio state. Like I feel less confident in Ohio state this year, but I still feel like Ohio state will be the team at the end that wins the conference and gets the one playoff spot out of the big 10. Um, and then the teams started beating each other up before I thought they would start beating each other up because you had Iowa lose the Purdue game. And then you had Illinois and Brent Balama beat Penn state last week. And I thought that was so funny because I'm like, they, they beat each other up before the games. I even thought they would start beating each other up in where now Michigan was going to play Michigan state, Penn state, Ohio state, in like four weeks. And Ohio state was going to play Penn state, Michigan state, Michigan. And they were all just going to beat each other up into uh, a bunch, but then Penn state and Iowa got to it early and already ruined their seasons before they even got to the hard games. Just
1: that's just the big 10 for you right now. That's why Purdue is in the conference. It's just to do that. They're there to up, they get that one yeah. upset every, every year. And they're just going to has
0: the most upsets against top two teams in the last 30 years in college football. That is a Not real thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs>
1: not surprised one bit that is that is purdue that is just who they are uh and yeah they're, they're good for about one every every season And with the big 10 being as strong as what they always are with ohio state michigan michigan state even teams now like penn state you know th- th- that's why they're, they're facing it. so many of these opponents they're so i'm convinced the purdue got a chance to go to another conference they would be a dominant force because they they are absolutely hosed with terrible or, i mean Terrible schedules, awful, like really hard schedules every single season. But here they are still managing to have like seven and five records right now, which you know for for a Big Ten team like Purdue is really good. Uh, and, and you know that that's, that's something that is, is a very very hard feat in general is to be able to beat those opponents, uh, yeah. you know, convincingly. It, even even if it's even if you have somebody cracks at it, it is still really hard.
0: It's like Boston College in the ACC where. Purdue's like playing a different game. Like there's no way they can recruit at the level unless they have like this generational coach who's going to like skip to the next job once he gets the chance. Like there's no way they can recruit at the level of Ohio State. There's no way they can recruit at the level of Wisconsin. There's no way they can recruit at the level of Iowa. And there's no way they can recruit at the level of Michigan. But they can beat Nebraska. They can beat Northwestern. They can beat Illinois and that gets, and they can beat Minnesota. So that can get them to third place in the conference at their very or third place in the big 10 West at their very peak is that we might not be able to out Ohio state. We might not be able to outspend Minnesota, or we might not be able to outspend Wisconsin, but we can outspend Northwestern. And that's going to be our goal every year for a decade is outplay Northwestern and Illinois.
1: Hey, whatever gets you money, you know, I mean, that works for them. And even though it's not uh, ideal to never be a a true divisional contender, I mean, third place is never bad. And especially in a really tough conference like that, you can show that to recruits and like, hey, this is a team that has been third place. If you come here, we can work towards building it to a first place team. And, you know, I don't know how you're going to be able to convince recruits that, but if you could, that that all of a sudden creates possibly a a better recruiting in general. So I, I really look at that being a, uh, a big bonus for them if they're able to continue to have these type of seasons. I am I'm really impressed that Purdue has just been this consistent despite really not having any notable players on their team. Like, there's not been any, like, true stars. You know what I mean? Like, even Kentucky's had their fair share of stars and guys that helped push the team. But it feels like Purdue's just always solid. They never have great teams. They never have bad teams. They're just consistently solid. And like I said, they're due for one upset every single year. I just think it's kind of funny because they, they are, that is, that is literally what Purdue is in general, just in any sport. It's just that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And except for the one year where they got the diamond in the rough and got drew Brees and made it to the Rose bowl, but also they made the Rose bowl with only eight wins. Somehow that's a real thing that happened. I don't know how that happened, but Purdue made the Rose bowl with only eight wins in a season. But other than that one year, I'm just looking through it right now. So other than the Daryl Hazel era a few years ago, where they were just like god awful, terrible, they've been third, second, fifth, sixth. This year, they're third right now. Then you go back to pre Daryl Hazel fourth, third, sixth, ninth out of 12, ninth out of 12, seventh out of 12, fourth, eighth, fifth, second out of 12, going back to 2002. So if you take out the one era with Daryl Hazel where they were just god awful and won like three games or won six games in three years in the early 2010s, pretty much the exact same team the whole way through with occasional good seasons mixed in there.
1: Yep. And I mean, that's just Purdue football for you. And the one year they got Drew
0: Brees and the one Drew Brees season that they made a Rose Bowl. I will say it
1: totally left my mind right now, but they do have a very good player this year. That I do want to kind of give credit to Like I said, George Carl is the guy that I mentioned earlier, the edge rusher from Purdue, has been a very, very good prospect. He's probably going to end up being the third edge rusher in this class behind Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, who already named his top five prospects. This is a guy that could go in the top ten if the board falls right to him. And and I think he's got a lot of skill. He he kind of reminds me of – uh, you know, he, he's a bigger, he's a bigger edge rusher off the, off the edge. And I really think he could be a good fit for a team that could really, I, I really like, like a fit like the Baltimore for a guy like Park Karlaftis or maybe a team like the Browns, even though that's not a top 10 you know, team right now. I could see those being good fits. I've, tri- I've mocked him a lot to the Eagles. So I think the Eagles can release really a guy like that, uh, assuming they lose got Derek Barnett this off season, possibly. Um, you know, it really just depends. I, I could really see him being a good Brandon Graham filler as well if they were to need that. So, Purdue does have some good prospects. I want, I want to back up on what I said there, but they, they, they never have, they never have the Joe Burrow franchise changers in any way. And credit, no, and, and granted, no team really does. Joe Burrow is such a rare commodity for teams, but they continue to be so solid every year despite not having the difference maker that they really are every college football team has had at one point.
0: Yeah. You have to find those diamonds in the rough and teams get those every now and then like Khalil Mack went to Buffalo. (laughs) Like you find diamonds in the rough every now and then that become like amazing prospects, but yeah, you're not getting four and five star recruits at Purdue. Maybe you'll get one, maybe you'll get one five-star recruit. But other than that, you're not really getting many four or five star recruits. You kind of have to develop them later. Did not think we would do an in-depth analysis of Purdue football here today, but that's sometimes where these podcasts go is we just, we pick a college football team to make fun of, and we just do a deep dive of why their fan base shouldn't really feel love towards that team because they've been basically the same team for two decades.
1: (laughs) That's just, how, that's just how it goes, you know? I mean, it, it's fun to go over these teams that normally don't get a lot of spotlight because Purdue, Purdue deserves some recognition. I mean, this is a team that we see, like I said, every year. They're, they're winning big-time games, but they're just never able to put it all together. And if there is one year that they do – that would be really exciting because they deserve it. And I want to see them be successful and have a really good season where they're like top 10 in the, in the, in the college football possibly.
0: Purdue really deserves cool. a chance to feel what Arkansas and Kentucky felt this year, where you get to be number eight in the country for one weekend. For one magical week, you get to believe that your team is legit and you get to make the top 10. Purdue deserves it.
1: <laughs> see, despite them being very different, Purdue and Kentucky, I kind of see Purdue as a Kentucky of the big 10 you know, that's kind of how I view Purdue, right? So it, being a Kentucky fan myself, it's good to see those underdogs have a chance and be able to have a have a good moment every now and then. So I'm rooting for them to be able to, to do good and have success.
0: Is Kentucky still an underdog? Because I know like obviously for three decades, they were just like basically what Vanderbilt is now. They exist to lose like 45 nothing in SEC games, but like I think of it kind of like the Clippers in the NBA where like there's a generation of people growing up in college football where Kentucky has been not great, but still relevant for about a decade now. And so I don't think they're ever going to go back to being the team that just gets curb stomped every weekend by the good teams. I feel like Kentucky is at least a respectable program now in college football. Maybe.
1: I think that's mainly due to Mark Stoops and what he's done. And credit to him, he's been one of the best coaches in college Football the last decade, I guess, credit to that. But um, I don't know, maybe it's just me and my personal experiences. I mean, I'm 20, so I've seen a lot more years of Kentucky football than maybe the average fan has at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, very reminiscent of the Joker Phillips era with Kentucky, where they were just hilariously bad. And outside of the few Randall Cobb years they had, this is a team that has never really won anything at all. Like you said, they, they were the Vanderbilt of the SEC before Vanderbilt was. Um, and, and to see them kind of turn it all around and become this program, I guess, is, is really exciting to me. It still kind of feels like all this happened yesterday, I guess, in a way. So I'm still kind of like pitch me. I'm dreaming right now. But I definitely think that this is still a program that I, I, I think has has more work to do. They could still get better, I think, with, with where they're headed right now. And so I'm excited to see if they are able to reach that.
0: All right, let's let's go over to the NFL real quick. And I wish I had a baseball transition, but literally nothing has happened in the time since we had that magical four run inning for the Houston Astros. So um, going into this weekend, I guess the thing that I find kind of interesting is the Packers Cardinals game, but that's going to be over by the time people hear this podcast. So it kind of defeats the purpose there. Um, The part I'm interested in is teams like the Vikings and the Cowboys who play on Sunday night football, where they've come off a bye, and we all presume their offenses are going to be really good, but also we don't know exactly how good they're going to be. So I defer to you um, because that's what I'm interested in. What do you find interesting about this NFL weekend?
1: Wow. I mean, for for one, I'm still trying to process the, the fact that Bengals are the best team in the AFC right now. Like,
0: how, yeah, how I should have happen? set that up better. <laughs> of course we were going to talk about the Bengals. How could how could we not?
1: No, yeah, I, I hate to, I hate to like, divert the, the question, but yeah, that, that is still – Oh, no, go for I it. Used to, I guess, and like, like realize. But let me just say, this weekend I, I really want to see uh, – the Pack- Packers-Cardinals game, I think it's just really uh, – the only thing I want to see from that game is just – Who's the best team in the NFC right now? I feel like it's really between those two teams and maybe the Rams as well. Um,
0: that it should, really it should be the Bucs. It should be the Bucs. No, I'm kidding. Not the Bucs. Not yeah. the Bucs.
1: But, but yeah, no, in, in my eyes, I mean, these are the two hottest teams in, in football right now, which are the Packers and the Cardinals. Um, and, and I'm interested to see because the Cardinals have had a you know a fairly couple of tough games. But, you know, at the same time, they, they've had an injury-riddled Browns team uh, that they played Against they've had a couple of, of, you know, key injuries to certain players uh, over the last few years and uh, last few games. And, of course, now, luckily for them, they don't have Devontae Adams to deal with. Uh, but I'm interested to see how they can deal with a team like the Packers, who are, I think, the best team they've played so far this year. If they're able to handle business, this is a legit team that we're talking about. Um right now the, the packers game the rams game for one it showed me a lot and proved to me that this is a playoff team if this is a super bowl caliber team i think they can win this game on on my, on thursday night football and be able to take down the green bay packers pretty, pretty hopefully uh you know in a, in a pretty good game
0: all right let's let's not step around it let's talk about the Bengals. let's talk about larry ogan Joby, let's talk about trey hendrickson let's talk about sam hubbard let's talk about all these guys like come on you guys are, you're five and two. You have the number one seed. It's not going to last forever. I said that you guys weren't a real playoff team and I'm wrong. I'm going to put it out there. I'm wrong at this point. It's like with Josh Allen. It's only a matter of how wrong I'm going to be about the Cincinnati Bengals. Cause I didn't see it coming. I let's talk about the Bengals because it's been a fun ride for you guys.
1: Yeah. What in the world did they put in the Bengals drinks last week? I don't know. 42 to 17, a complete route. Of the Baltimore Ravens, who, speaking of which, destroyed the, ch- the Chargers the week before. So, I mean, this is this is a considerable uh, you know victory for for a, a team like the Bengals, and and to see to see them finally go up against an AFC North opponent and not only win at the at the opponent's home field, but also to dominate in this way that they have. I I haven't seen this since twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen was the last time I've seen this, and this that team was one of the best Bengals teams. I've, I've watched, probably the best Bengals team I've ever watched as a Bengals fan. So to see them be able to get to that point again, I think there's a lot, there's a very, very good chance this team is starting to turn things around early. I kind of put next year as the possibility of like being a, um, being a true contender for the, for the Bengals playoff wise. But I think now it, they kind of proved to us 30 year early and and it's exciting to see that. And I'm very, very hopeful that this is, not just me saying that just to say that, and all of a sudden they're going to be absolutely terrible after this. I I truly do believe that. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, this connection that they have has truly changed everything about Cincinnati football right now, and that is very exciting to see. Uh, I'm I'm very hopeful that they continue this up. They are a very, very easy game this week against Mike White and the New York Jets, so hopefully they take care of business there. I really think Jamar Chase was like – I mean, Jamar Chase is the best rookie in this class right now. I don't think it's a a big – a big debate at this moment. He's currently a top five receiver, uh, top three, according to receiving yards right now. And he's already broken so many rookie records for receivers. I think it's without a doubt. He is one of rookies so far in this class. And he's been a big turning point for this team overall, but also like the shot, out a couple of other uh, players, you know, this offensive line has really, really done a lot better than what they have in the past with Quentin Spain, Jonah Williams, all doing really well so far. Joe Mixon is currently top three in rushing, he's had a very, very good season as well. But this defense Trey Hendrickson, uh, DJ Reader, like you said, Larry Oganjobi, BJ Hill, Sam Hard, even cornerback Eli Apple, a guy that we have talked about in so long, has been while they considered a bust you guys are all playing together and playing in unison and they look so good together and to, and to see you know this, the Bengals offense a couple of years ago excuse me defense the Bengals defense a couple of years ago was widely considered one of the worst in football and to see them turn it all around now and be as good as what they are they have a top Five defense right now in the NFL, and their offense is nearing the top 10 after this week. It is insane to see how well they're performing and to see them finally turn things around and become a good team again. It was long awaited, and like I said, I I really thought there was still an extra year before they were going to be this good. But I mean, they're five and two, they should be six and two after this week. They're going to have four, they're going to have you know, 10 weeks of or nine weeks of football to win four more games. And if they can do that, they're, they're playoff bound. That is so exciting to hear uh, as a Bengals fan.
0: You should enjoy this year because after this year, the expectations will start to set in a bit. So this year's the fun year, even if you don't do well, there's literally no expectations. So you should enjoy this year because then expectations will sit in and it won't quite feel as fun because you'll be stressed about What happens when you guys lose two games in a row? Instead, this time you're like, yeah, whatever. We just beat the Ravens. We're all good there. The problem is when you expect to beat the Ravens, that's going to be less fun for you. But enjoy it while you have it right now. The part where I was wrong about the Bengals, I think, is because I saw that schedule, which I think is one of the hardest left in the NFL. huh?
1: Second hardest left in the NFL right now, according to stats.
0: So there you go. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are number one, but I if I might be wrong about that. It's I think it's like the Bengals are right up there though. Um, the reason that I felt the Bengals were not going to get there is because I didn't think that they could win forty-one to seventeen against the Baltimore Ravens and look really good doing it. So to that point if they're going to be able to beat the ravens 42 to 7 or 41 17 at home and they're going to go into pittsburgh and demolish the steelers then they don't have to worry about strength of schedule they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs and if the bengal's make the playoffs or if the bengal's god forbid win the division this year oh my god you're playing with house money at this point so you're 2 and 0 in the division too that's not like you've you've sidestepped to 5 and 2 you've also won at pittsburgh and at Baltimore at this point, so you guys are well on your way to making it to the playoffs this year. This is not a fake five and two. This is not me trying to double down on the Bengals aren't a playoff team. Nope. Y'all are good. Y'all are really good. I was wrong. I said that they <laughs> would be it. a playoff team and I was wrong.
1: Let's keep in mind, they are literally like two inches away from an Evan McPherson-made field goal to beat the Packers as well. Like, imagine they were 6-1 and one at this very moment. They'd be playing the Jets this week. They'd probably be 7-1. and one. They've been in every single game they've played so far. They lost to the Bears by, I believe, like three or four at the end to tie of the game or take the lead. Um, and, and they honestly, they probably should have beat the Packers. That was a field goal that literally almost went in and just did not make it at the last second. So, to, to see them really, I mean, not only have five wins, but to have like six or seven games where they really should have won too, I mean, that is, that is astounding. It's astounding to see how well they have performed so far as a team. And I really think that it's a new era in Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow is the guy that has really led that uh, new era right now. I, I think right now, Joe Burrow is a top 10 quarterback. You could argue against that. I think right now, he's been a top 10 guy. He has done so well against the Blitz. See, last year, last year the, the Bengals scored a combined six points against the Ravens in the two games they played, but had three points in each game, barely did not get shut out in both games. And you know, one one of them was a Brandon Allen, so that's understandable, right? But the other game with Joe Burrow, he had no chance at all. Blitz every single play pretty much. It was a zero blitz almost every single play against Joe Burrow. There was to go off line to protect him. He was getting sacked every play because his receivers were not able to make enough such separation. You know what changed? Jackson Carmen, the rookie offensive guard, has been playing really, really well this year. They have Quentin Spain, who's been a very solid guard. Jamar Chase is a guy that, you know, if you zero against Jamar Chase, he's taking you to the house. And he did it, he did it last week. He, he took an 85-yard uh, touchdown to the house. They also have a guy named C.J. Uzama, who I don't know if many people know about, is now a top-10 tight end of the league as well. Has five touchdowns on the season and had two Place of thirty plus yards a result of the touchdowns for the Bengals. So Joe Burrow has a plethora of weapons. He finally has protection. It's impossible for teams to be able to zero blitz Joe Burrow now because he's going to absolutely destroy them and take their lunch money, pretty much. And that is why I think they have really kind of changed their ways because Burrow has Burrow's new Burrow's a new guy now that he's had he's had he has the proper protection and weapons around him.
0: I would say right now, if I had to guess, and we can bring out the magical chart again, but I would have to guess. Joe Burrow is a tier three quarterback, but also I am willing to acknowledge it's too early to tell it's, he's only played 17 games in his career. That's barely a full career. I mean, 17 and the game where he tore his knee up. So yeah, whatever you want to call it there, but he's played one full season. He's had a full off. He's had two full off seasons of development. I would say, He's a tier three quarterback, but it's too early to tell. The ceiling can get higher for Joe Burrow. I know he's an older second year quarterback. I think he's like 25 now, if I remember correctly, 25 or twenty six. 25, 25. Huh? Yeah.
1: He's older than same Darnold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I know he's older in that way, but there's still room for development for Joe Burrow. So I would put him in the tier three group with Stafford and Tannehill and Kirk cousins and, baker mayfield and matt ryan holding on to the last aspects of his youth i would that's where i'd put him now but i acknowledge it's too early to tell there's still room for improvement but if i had to just gauge where he's at that's where i'd probably fit him into the mix
1: well you, you know what i think matt stafford with this team would be a playoff team you know i, I would argue so to, so, so to see that be with joe burrow i, I think i would agree right now and I, and i I think he had the potential to become a tier two quarterback, but I totally agree. I, I think tier two right now, you know, you're, you're looking at, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks I think could be, you know, considered the tier two, but I think of Josh Allen being that tier two. I think of guys like, you know, like him. I, I think of maybe Kyler Murray as well. Uh, Kyler you know, Murray for I, me was there at I, I really the start of, of the
0: season, but also he's the, the front runner for MVP right now. So obviously things yeah. are, are up in the air. Tier two to start the year for me was uh, Josh Allen. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and hanging on by a very threat is Tom Brady.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And, and I, don't think Joe, I don't think, you know, Joe Burrow has reached that level yet. And that's totally understandable for a guy who's, like I said, just starting out basically or just finishing his first year of football pretty much. And also just came off of a brutal injury last year. So, I mean, it is, I think it's fairly obvious that that was not expected uh you know, it, Tier 2 was not expected from a guy like Joe Burrow. He was that injured after this season. So I'm very, very happy to see him performing really well. Uh, despite, you know, all, all those issues he reached his first year. And to see him kind of completely flip the script and now become a dominant force, I really think Jamar Chase is the biggest reason why right now. they're They're... People don't understand how much chemistry matters in football, but you see it all the time. Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers had a great chemistry. They were elite. Julian Edelman and Tom Brady had great chemistry. They were elite together. They won in games that mattered. Those those, those players, and that, that's why they were so good. They they played in the big games. They knew exactly what each other were doing. They match up. You know, Brady Gronk might have been the better example because they're still doing it now. But I, I think I think you can look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase as being another one of those duos, a, a duo that. When they're in prime time, whenever they need a big score, whenever something's very, whenever a very, very important turning point is happening in the game, they're going to be the duo to do it, and they're going to go out there and make a huge touchdown or a huge pass to help seal the game. And that is really what makes me super excited for the future of Cincinnati because we've not had that ever. You know, Dal- Dalton and Green, Green, AJ Green was a fantastic wide receiver. Dalton had a couple of really good years of quarterback, but they were never like that. They were never that duo. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can, and I think will be that duo.
0: Yeah, Andy Dalton was never more than like quarterback purgatory, but we kind of convinced ourselves he could be tier three and he got that contract extension. That even when he first signed it, people were like, is that really going to age all that well? Like it felt kind of like iffy, but even still, I think Burrow right now is better than Andy Dalton ever was. And that's a victory for the Cincinnati Bengals because. We felt that was the case. You had Burrow as the highest graded quarterback prospect you've ever had, right? Like, So we kind of expected that would be the case, but it's good to see it now. Bengals fans don't have to stay in limbo like the Dolphins are with Tua right now or the Giants were with Daniel Jones up until I think this year.
1: Yeah, Joe Burrow was my highest rated prospect uh, at quarterback ever. Um, And and I also said he was the most pro-ready NFL player I've ever seen. So to see that kind of pan out, because obviously, you know, he's still, he's still basically, a, you know, he's just coming off his rookie year, basically, and to see him still be as good as what he is. I think that is, uh, I feel like the, it's a pretty accurate assessment of, uh, of how well he's done so far. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. I think that's pretty, uh, that, that said a lot. And, and, you know, there was a couple of question marks with, you know, having only one year under his belt of being a truly elite can he continue that up. And I think a lot of people even kind of worried that that might have been, you know almost a fluke year after the struggles he had the first the first couple of the you know the first couple of weeks of the Bengals and he still makes mistakes he still has moments where he does bad interceptions and he still takes risks that should that didn't really pay off but i think we we can really trust Joe Burrow to be a very very reliable passer for the future super accurate in the mid to short range he knows exactly what he's doing before he does it and I think a lot of people are really worried about, about how strong his arm was. That's not a problem anymore. He's thrown more deep touchdowns, I think, than any other quarterback in the league so far this year. So that deep ball problem that that they have been discussing having is, is no longer a problem anymore. And I'm glad to, t- to kind of take that entire argument and kind of throw it out the window.
0: Yes. Forget it. Forget about it. Joe Burrow is here, ladies and gentlemen, and he is good. Um, what do you do with the Baker Mayfield situation with the Browns? Cause I know that's kind of a similar type division thing, but uh, the conversation for the next few months, and eventually we'll have the conversation with that. Like we did with Dak Prescott, where we're like, here's where we stand on Baker Mayfield and we will not discuss it again. But how do you get a proper evaluation of Baker Mayfield when he's going through injuries right now? And the Cleveland Browns are trying to stay afloat by just taping the whole team together and hoping they make it to the playoffs.
1: I worry a lot because the more I watch Baker, the more it's all the same for him. He's been a guy that he's never really gotten past his rookie form. You know, he still makes the rookie mistakes. He hasn't really shown any growth at all for a player of of his caliber. And I think a lot of us expected him to, you know, be better in that in that way. So to see that not you know be able to work out for them, of course, is is worrisome because you know keep in mind this again has a big contract coming up. He's gonna have to, you know, agree on a deal with the with the Browns if the Browns are willing to resign him to a considerable deal. He's asking for thirty plus million dollars, which for Baker Mayfield, I would say it's certainly not worth it. But for the Cleveland Browns in a you know, a, a team that we saw having a 17, 15-year stretch where they couldn't find a quarterback, you almost have to because you kind of have no choice. He's, he's the best he got, even though he's not even good enough, I think. I, you know, I really look at this Browns team. I don't see how much better this Browns team can get. They're going to get to the point where they're capped out in cap space. They, they don't have enough draft picks to be able to help fill these needs. And – I worry, are you going to have the quarterback to be able to win you football games? And I don't think Baker Mayfield's that guy. I don't think they'll ever win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. And I don't think he's good enough to carry a team that has holes. And to, to see how complete this this Browns team is, if you place literally Matthew Stafford on this team, this is probably a Super Bowl favorite team right now in, in the Cleveland Browns. So to see them not be in that position really sucks for them because their, their window is open and Baker Mayfield just needs to be better. And I don't know if he can be better. I don't know if this injury is just a cop out for his mistakes. I don't know if the injury is actually a real thing. I mean obviously he's got something wrong with the shoulder. I understand that, but how much you know even even before the shoulder injury kind of became a concern, he wasn't that good anyways. Like it was he was already struggling. He's not He's not, I don't even, I don't even, well, it wasn't, it wasn't you know? that he
0: wasn't that good. It was just, he was kind of the same version of himself that he had, which is like, yeah, he's like a tier three quarterback. He'll, he'll elevate your team enough. Cause he'll make a couple plays here and there that are like, wow, plays that will help you win games. It's not that he's not good, right? It's that he's just not, he's not as good as we thought he might be when he was drafted first overall, or when we saw him win rookie of the year.
1: He's not good enough, I think, for what the Browns are looking the Browns are are, you know, the Browns are no position to win a Super Bowl. I don't think Baker Mayfield's gonna win you a Super Bowl. And that's just that's just the you know the, the cold hard fact there. I, I really think the Browns have a roster that can go thirteen and four, 14 and three, and be the first overall seed, maybe even make it to a super bowl. But can they win it? I don't think so. I just don't think you can win it with Baker. I look at all these other quarterbacks out there right now that can just win more games right now. With the Cleveland Browns' order, so if if this is a team that is you know dead set on wanting to win a Super Bowl, I would you know this is a bold this is a bold opinion I'm about to have. I I think you would have to look moving on to Baker if you legitimately want a Super Bowl. But if you're you know if you're the Cleveland Browns, you're almost as happy to be where you're at at this point right now because you were such a bad franchise for so long. To be in the position you're at is great. So in my eyes, re-signing Baker Mayfield makes more sense just because if I'm Stavansky. I'm not risking going back in the quarterback pool looking for a new guy, but I definitely think the Browns are not going to win. Uh, a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I think right now I look at this division and I worry that the Browns may be the third best team in the division right now, despite how good this roster is. And that's mainly due to how bad Baker Mayfield's been this year. Um, You know, roster on paper, they're probably the best team in the division, With the the Ravens being very injured. I think the Bengals, you know, are good, but they don't have a better roster than the Browns. I think just the, the big difference right now is the fact that Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson are just so much better than what Baker Mayfield is at this very moment. I don't see him really keeping up. With those guys at any point. And if the Steelers are able to get another quarterback that works out again, Aaron Rodgers type guy, all of a sudden they're gonna be looking at being possibly the fourth team again. So it's a risk. it's a big risk right now because I, I worry how strong this division is, how hard the schedule is going to be in the next couple of years. I, you know, Baker Mayfield's just not good enough at this point. And though he is he is a good quarterback, he can certainly be a starter for a team. He's not a starter for a team that is expecting to win a super bowl. And that's just how I see it right now.
0: So we've done this podcast before. I think it was during the the doldrums of the summer where we were trying to fill content. But I will re-ask you now because we kind of came to a consensus last time about a dollar figure. But if you had to give Baker Mayfield a contract right now, how many per year would you pay for Baker Mayfield?
1: Baker's studies asking for 30. I'm not paying him 30. Um, I I think, I don't remember what we said beforehand. I'll remind you
0: afterwards. I'll tell you what we had afterwards, but I will see what you have this time first.
1: After seeing what I've saw from Baker this year, I I wouldn't probably go anywhere over twenty two million dollars a year.
0: Last time we had it between twenty four and twenty five. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. I I agree with that. I I think I think his stocks dropped a little bit, um, but I think he's still definitely worth resign. I would I would not pay him thirty million dollars. That's just not. I'm not doing that ever. Uh, And so I agree with what my past self said because I was a lot higher on Baker before the season started last year which makes completely sense. And now after seeing what I've seen, I think it's pretty obvious that he's not as good as what we kind of thought he would be this year. I think a lot of people, lot of people expected Baker to make a jump. A lot of people thought he was going to be a lot better. I drafted him in most of my fantasy leagues because I thought he'd make a jump this year. Um, and, you know, obviously that's just, it, it has never happened. And now with the, the torn shoulder, you wonder how well he can come back and how good he's going to be when he comes back. And that does worry me. So, yeah, I, I would offer him less right now than what I would back whenever we had the discussion.
0: Yeah. And for the the reference point for people who are wondering right now, so in terms of cap numbers hitting 21 million, that would put Baker Mayfield as the, for 2021, like, obviously, I mean, we can go to 2022, but not all the contracts have been signed yet. Um, but that would put him at a cap because obviously people can like restructure later, but going into this year, if he were the, if he were to make 22 million a year, that would put him as a tie for Eighth highest paid quarterback in the NFL uh, with Carson Wentz. Ahead of him would be Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Russell Wilson. Obviously, like Mahomes' contract is about to kick in and uh, Josh Allen's contract is going to kick in soon, but just that number is kind of funny when you think about it that way. He would be like the ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL.
1: I mean, this is this is a perfect example, though. Look at all those quarterbacks that you mentioned: Carson Wentz, Matt, Matt Ryan, uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo. These Derek are teams Carr. stuck in Derek Carr. These are these are teams stuck in cap space hell because of that, and they they've not been a contender because of these contracts you're giving their players, and the fact that these quarterbacks have not been good enough. The Browns cannot afford to make the same exact mistake with Baker Mayfield. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? Happened. They're going to pay him a lot of money. They're not going to be able to. Do, they've already paid Nick Chubb a lot of money, which was already a mistake in my eyes. You, you you can't afford to re sign Odell and Jr. and these wide receivers. You have a big contract to Miles Garrett that's going to be coming up pretty soon after this. You know, uh, uh, they already pay Miles Garrett, aren't they? Yeah, they already signed it, but Del it doesn't Ward kick in for another big two years. There. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, after you pay Baker, after now that you're paying Miles Garrett, you have a big contract in Denzel Ward that's coming up. You got to pay Josh Johnson in the future. You're going to have to pay a lot of these big star players that are coming up. All your offensive linemen pretty much are going to be asking for a lot of money with Wyatt Teller, Joel Petonio, uh Jack Conklin, all are playing out of their minds, playing really well. They're going to want some money as well. You're not going to afford all that if you sign Baker to a $30 million deal. So, can you rely on Baker being this good with half the roster that he'd to have? I don't think so. I don't think you can. And in my eyes, I think, you know, the, the, the best window for teams is whenever the quarterback's in the rookie deal. I've always said that, and I'll continue to say that again. That, that's when it's an absolute best for them. I think it's better for them to be able to get I – mean, th- this is only if they can find a quarterback. I, now, I understand the Browns not wanting to risk this because the Browns couldn't find a quarterback in the past, and I don't want them to be in the same purgatory as what they were before. But the Browns are willing to win a Super Bowl or, or are dead set on trying to win a Super Bowl. They have to look to try to save up some money in some way, shape, or form. So that's going to be whether cutting Baker Mayfield and finding another quarterback or cutting all the other players and rolling Baker. And I just think that, you know, they're both pretty crappy decisions if you're in their spots, but one's better than the other at this point.
0: Freddie Freeman, RBI single, cuts the deficit to 5 2 in game two of the World Series in the fifth inning. Great job by Jose Urquidy for the Astros. He's had a great game so far. Uh, you brought up a game show that I've wanted to play a couple times. So now I'm improvising on the fly and bringing this together because you said if Matthew Stafford were quarterbacking the Bengals, they would be a playoff team. So I would like to uh, take five teams here in the NFL currently and say, who is the worst quarterback that they could put and be a Super Bowl contender? That is the game I would like to play with a bunch of NFL teams right now. So I, That's
1: going to be fun. Okay. I'm ready for this.
0: I will ask you, are you ready to play this game? Yes, absolutely. This makes me excited. Okay. The first team I have on the board, and this is one of high contention, I believe, but we will see. The New Orleans Saints. Who is the worst quarterback the Saints could make the Super Bowl with?
1: <sighs> they struggle to do it, Drew Brees. I think that says a lot. Um, I'm gonna say oh, this is tough because my answer is gonna be Deshaun Watson, but I don't know how well. But I like I don't know where he's at on the quarterback list now. Um, let's go with. I don't know. Hold on. I would say probably. it's gonna be my answer for a lot of them I think but probably Kyler Murray I think right now
0: Ooh, okay interesting because Kyler Murray's like MVP of the league right now mine is Josh okay. Allen I would uh, mine yeah. is Josh Allen
1: so so here's here, here's a conversation I I kind of put Josh Allen a little bit ahead of Kyler entering this season which is why I kind of think of him hired now so it, it depends on where our rankings are at so I if if you consider Josh Kyler Murray better than Josh Allen, then I would say Josh Allen in this case. But, I, I mean, I personally think it would be tougher for the Saints to win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray at quarterback than it would with Josh Allen at quarterback.
0: That's a tough question. Sense. That's a tough question right now because both of them are really good. And Kyler would be the MVP yeah. of the league, but that might also just be best player on best team thing. But, right. man. So let's say all the tier one quarterbacks would be good. So I'd say like Rodgers, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Watson. Sure. We'll put that there. Then after that tier two quarterbacks, I'd say yes, but not Dak Prescott. I'd say Dak Prescott doesn't quite get them there, but like Russell Wilson does. Kyler Murray does. And then that's where I'd put Josh Allen is like right in there. But Kyler Murray's a good one too.
1: Yeah, Dak's the cutoff line. I totally agree with that. That's
0: Dak great. is the cutoff point. If it's Dak, it's no. So I guess the answer here is Dak. Like, Dak is the cutoff point. If it's Dak, no. But if it's if it's anyone better than that, they can win a Super Bowl.
1: Yes, I, I would. I, unless we're assuming Matthew Stafford's better than Dak. I don't think Stafford wins a Super Bowl with the Saints.
0: No, nah, it's Stafford's tier three. I mean, Brady's okay. right there, too. I don't know what to do with Brady at this point. Brady yeah, on the Saints uh, would I, be I, tough.
1: Well, <laughs> See, it depends because in real life, if Brady went to the Saints, he'd also have an entire armada of players coming with him. So probably end be yeah, nope. This,
0: football, this this but, would have to be just drop Brady on this <coughs> Saints team. So like they get Michael Thomas back, that's fine. Yeah, I don't. Like,
1: but <sighs> I don't think Brady with this team wins it. I don't.
0: Okay, I think I kind of agree there. I, I think I'm in the same boat. And they'd be better than they are now, of course, because Jameis, yeah. they can't feel good about that, right? They can't feel good about winning 13-10 against that Seahawks team. Like, I know they won. I know they're 4-2, but they can't be feeling good about themselves right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely expected this to be a, a pretty quick fall-off for the Saints. And the them still managed to, like, be okay is, is like, eye-opening. But I, I remember, you know, telling you Couple of years, like a couple of months back, that I could see the Saints having a really tough fall off very soon. And um, they haven't reached that point yet, but they could be reaching that point eventually with the way they're playing right now because, you know, playing that close to the game against Geno Smith and the Seahawks, which have played really below average to expectations so far this year, is concerning.
0: All right. Next team I have on the list here is the Las Vegas Raiders, who is the worst quarterback the Raiders could have and still make it. To the Super Bowl.
1: Um, I think it's tougher for them than it would be the Saints. I'm gonna say Aaron Rodgers.
0: Really interesting, because yeah. obviously they they're five and two right now, and I, I don't know how many people really believe in the. Believe I think in their them.
1: cars good. Yeah, I think their cars a good quarterback.
0: So I mean, I, I think. I think the uh, the
1: upgrade from, um, you know, I, I think the, the the reason why the Saints are lower here is because they are playing with a much worse quarterback in, in Jameis than what they are Derek Carr. Like I think Derek Carr is a far better quarterback at this very moment. So th- that's why the records are the way they are. And I, I also think the Saints have a, a good roster. It's almost kind of carrying Jameis at this point. So if they had a, a you know a quarterback that maybe not as good as Aaron Rodgers, they could win. When you look at the at the Raiders, I mean, how much of this is just Derek Carr being a, a, a sneakily pretty good quarterback at this moment? And, and I think it's it's quite a bit. So you know, you take you kind of take away Derek Carr, then you have to replace that production with someone else. Of course, I don't know if I can see Kyler Murray or the Watson or even a guy like uh, Josh Allen winning a Super Bowl with the with the Las Vegas Raiders. I and mean, keep in mind, you know, the teams that they're playing with so far, th- those teams are considerably worse right now, right? So. Um, it, uh, the the Raiders are considerably worse than the Cardinals and the, and the Bills is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, you know, R- Rogers is probably my what second uh, or I don't know.
0: Well, let's see. Yeah. Like Lamar Jackson would be yes. Yeah. And Patrick yes. Mahomes would yeah. be yes. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah those two would be. I would say he's probably my third best quarterback in this list in this case. Right. So So. three
0: quarterbacks, you would have three quarterbacks. This is, this one's going to be complex. So stick with me here from last time. I would take Josh Allen out. I would take Kyler Murray out. I would take Russell Wilson out, but I would put Tom Brady in. I feel like if you put Tom Brady on the Raiders, I think they have a better chance. Than if you put maybe Kyler Murray, which is it ridiculous to say he's 44 years old, like it's just ridiculous that I'm saying this, but I would say Tom Brady is the cutoff point, but I don't maybe Josh Allen is in but Kyler Murray out uh, Russell Wilson out and I would put Tom Brady in that would be my cutoff point.
1: See, it's just tough for me because, I mean, these, these are different scheme fits that you're looking at. I mean the, the Raiders are a team that is really deep threat oriented and they don't have the best of offensive lines. So I worry since Tom Brady is slow and is probably not able to roll out of the pocket or have the arm deep enough to hit a guy like Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards, I worry about how how that would work. But at the same time, he's such a smart quarterback and so good and knows exactly when pressure's coming. He knows when when the, you know, When to get rid of the ball, I could see the argument being made for Brady. But I'll stick with my answer of Rodgers. I think Rodgers is probably the cutoff line, at least in my eyes right now.
0: Have the Raiders been that bad on the offensive line this year? Because I don't really know how good or bad they've been this year. I know they don't have a ton of talent, but I don't feel like there's been like tons of problems with like Derek Carr getting sacked.
1: No, there, there really hasn't. Um, the running game has been pretty bad this year. I, I will say that running game has been pretty bad. And I think that's mainly due to, to the offensive line, but I mean, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, um, who was the other tackle they had that went to the Patriots? What's his name?
0: Uh, Trent Brown,
1: um, Trent Brown. All those guys uh, were, were, you know, those are the three best offensive line on the team last year. Now they have to roll with Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, a bunch of guys. Alex leatherwood has been a link of the team so far, their first round pick. He's been really bad. And I know he's lost a lot. Uh, and that he's been a big problem for them with their car getting sacked like that. So they went from, you know, last year they had a top three offensive line. They went from top three offensive line to maybe uh, middle of the pack or even below average at that point. I think it's a pretty considerable drop off considering they really didn't add too many pieces outside of that in the offseason.
0: Uh, next team I have on here, because the Raiders are going to haunt me for a while here. So next team I have is the Indianapolis Colts. Who is the is worst quarterback who game. could win a Super Bowl with the Colts?
1: This is where I would probably say Tom Brady, I think. So in this case, I'm saying Tom Brady, yes, Kyler Murray, yes, Josh Allen, yes, all the tier one quarterbacks, yes. Brady. What about Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, yes. Is Russell Wilson worse than Tom Brady in this case? Because if that's the case... Yeah, they're both tier two. This is is the tough part.
0: Both kind of tier two.
1: Right, right. I would would say Russ or Brady, whichever one you consider being worse, is the lowest one I'd go at this point. I I, I would think for the majority of the tier two quarterbacks, except for Dak Prescott, that would be who I think could win a Super Bowl with the Colts. I don't think Prescott could, but I think almost all the others could.
0: So similar to the Saints... Like Dak Prescott is the cutoff point, but this time you yes. include Tom Brady. Yes,
1: because because I I think the Colts roster is really good if they had a quarterback. I really do. I like their roster. I, I I'm a big fan of some of the receivers they have. I think Michael Pittman's really good. I like their offensive line whenever they're healthy. They have a very very good running back in Jonathan Taylor. They have some, a couple of really good tight ends: Morali Cox, Jack Doyle, and this is the defense. that's very capable. As well, I think I think this roster, top to bottom, is probably better than the Saints, which is why you know, regardless of of the Rikers that they have, I I would probably you know lower the quarterback, uh, um, uh, the the lower how good the quarterback it it needs to be at this
0: point. My cutoff would be Russell Wilson on this one, and I would say Tom Brady is so close. Like, I don't know what to do with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is probably my cutoff point, but he's like reaching through the line leading Tom Brady's leading a two minute drive to get into this category. And you always trust him in the two minute drill, but he's not going to get it all the time. So I'd say like Brady's like on the cusp, but if it's Josh Allen, I don't feel great. If it's Kyler Murray, I feel okay. Like I feel like there's enough wide receivers and enough protection on the offensive line where I can, I can live with Kyler Murray. Justin Herbert, this is a tough one for me. Justin Herbert's kind of the cutoff point here of like, he's close, but he's not there. He's like with Dak Prescott. He's like, he's he's just behind Brady a little bit. So I would say cutoff point, Russell Wilson. That would be where I would cut it off, which means we differ quite a bit on this one. Actually, you, you like the Colts more than I do, which I think maybe I've been hurt so much by the Colts the last couple of years that i am just tormented now and don't trust them.
1: Well, well, I said Ross and Brady, I guess. So, in a, in, a, in a way, we kind of are. Um, but I, I just think that I, I think Josh Allen could with this team. I think there's a couple of quarterbacks that I guess don't think they could. Um, for for me, with Justin Herbert, it's just way too early for me with, with him. Uh, I, I'm not going to put a, in this tier two category right now, at least in my eyes. He's probably mm-hmm. closer to tier three of Joe Burrow at the very moment. that's Despite him playing really well, he's playing very, very good at this point. It's just way too early for me to be able to put him in the Josh Allen tier. You know what I mean? There's still yeah. a separation there that I, I kind of see being notable. So I wouldn't have Herbert here, but you know, obviously like the Mahomes, Rogers, Jet Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, I would have all those guys being met. And I think between Tom Brady and Russell Westbrook, Russell, Westbrook, Russell Wilson, <laughs> me. Uh, watching the Lakers too much, uh, Russell Wilson, that, that is really the, uh, that's really the cutoff one that I, I personally see, whichever one you prefer, uh, you know, whichever one you think's worse out of that group. I, I would probably say myself, I would probably think Russell Wilson could probably lead a team like the Colts better
0: than Tom Brady. So I
1: would probably say Tom Brady's my cutoff one.
0: Fourth, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Who is the worst quarterback who could win a Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings? Man, that's a tough one.
1: I think, again, I'll probably go a little bit lower. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Dak Prescott. I think they can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott, the quarterback. So basically the entire tier two and tier one list. So anything, anything below tier two, I wouldn't anything above tier two and, and in tier two, I would.
0: So that's tough. Cause I feel like Kirk cousins is right at the front of tier three. And I look at them with Kirk cousins. Now I'm like, that team's not really super bowl. Good, but also ah, see, I,
1: I, this is another, this is another thing. I, I think Kirk cousins is better than Winston and, and Wentz, but I don't think he's better than Carr.
0: Oh, I I'm the other way on that. I'm the other way. I think he's better. I think Derek Carr's sneaking towards quarterback purgatory around like fifteen, sixteen, and Kirk Cousins is kind of like eleven, twelve. So uh, I, see,
1: I, would, I would, take that and flip it. That's that's how I see it. Kind of the exact opposite way, in my
0: opinion. That's like, yeah, I, I would
1: tell you if I if I had to rank quarterbacks, I'd probably say Carr's probably like twelve, and Cousins is probably like fifteen or sixteen at this moment. So, that, so that's maybe our
0: you know if if we've named players. nine quarterbacks that we pretty much agree are tier one and tier two. So after that, it would be like Stafford 10, like Tannehill, and then kind of like Herbert. some chaos. Herbert, that's right. Forgot Herbert, about Herbert. Burrow. Herbert would be up there. Burroughs right Burrow. around there. Baker Mayfield somewhere in there.
1: Brian Tannehill.
0: Yep. Then then you kind of get to like the corpse of Matt Ryan and you're like, OK, this is where the fall off kind of starts. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I would probably say I'd probably say Dak because, I, though, I think Kirk Cousins is solid. I don't think he's good enough. And honestly, you, you look at the Vikings roster and the weapons they have. He should be better than what he's, you know, the way he's playing. He's had a couple of good years with not as good rosters, but the way the roster's built right now, he should be better. He was. They got, you know, their offensive line is, is a bit of a question, which is maybe what changes this a little bit. But I, I think that, you know, schematically, at least in my eyes, Dak Prescott can do better with this Vikings roster. And, and honestly, I mean, like, I kind of see the Vikings and the Cowboys rosters as being kind of close. So, I don't know. Maybe I don't know, but maybe, maybe maybe I have to go up a little bit. Maybe maybe Dak's being a little generous here.
0: And Dak's kind of the weird guy in this one because he's like ninth. He's he's tier two, but we also don't respect Dak as much because he's he's been great. I mean the Cowboys I mean the Cowboys are kind of Super Bowl contenders this year. Like I don't know. And those yeah. teams are fairly comparable when you think about the weapons, the running backs, the wide receivers. Where- Defense has holes all over the place. But also the Cowboys defense probably isn't as good as it looks this year. And they've been slightly better. I think the Vikings actually are like ranked eighth in DVOA in defense this year, which is kind of weird because I thought of that team like being the same as last year, which was like 24th in DVOA, but just add Daniel Hunter back. And they've actually been pretty good this year on defense.
1: Daniel Hunter has been really nice. And they also had Everson Griffin back. He's been good. Um, they they've gotten a couple of guys out there that, that has kind of improved. That's kind of helped their team a little bit. They have a couple of stars on the team, of course, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, uh, you know, um, guys like that, Dalvin Tomlinson. Those are those are guys that are like true leaders of the team. And now you have Daniel Hunter, of course, who's came has come back, of course. So I, I think I think the you know the couple additions that they added kind of rounded out this team to be quite a better defense than what it was before. I I, I would say that is. At least in my eyes, what, what's happening, and, but and and I think that they, I would take their defense over the the Cowboys personally. Though I really like Trayvon Diggs and what he's done. Um, I, I would I would probably say I, I would take Minnesota's defense if I had to right now. So that that would probably be why I would I would maybe rank rank them a little bit higher. And also I I'm thinking about this more of like a schematic little, you know, kind of like more schematically mm-hmm. um, per se. So I, I would say it's probably harder for Tom Brady to win Super Bowl on on a team like the Vikings and it would be a guy like Dak Prescott, maybe. Now, that, that's uh actually maybe maybe not. Maybe not.
0: That's that's it's tough. hard. That's it's hard.
1: It's the offensive line is really what I'm focusing on right now because the offensive line has been super up and down. And I feel like Dak can manage without a great offensive line. That's why I say him.
0: I mean Dak and Brady are similar because that's one of the few teams that has comparable weapons, right? Like when you talk about right. Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook, Madison like those are that's one of the few teams that has comparable skill yeah. position players to the Cowboys and and Bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, that, that they, I see them being similar, similar talent wise, and and I think right now you could argue the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders, so that's why I would kind of say that. but the, but they're not like the top Super Bowl contenders. They're like bare minimum, right? And that's what we're kind of talking about: is bare minimum Super Bowl. Yeah, contenders. there's like five Super Bowl contenders being, like, so in the and, NFC. And back here.
0: Yeah. Four. Oh, oh uh, i'm interested to see which one you take out here
1: okay maybe maybe five maybe five maybe maybe i'm overreacting a little bit
0: so rams I, I, rams
1: yeah rams cardinals packers cowboys bucks
0: right like that's, that's five that's that is five yeah. those packers are the five that
1: i had me.
0: i was interested yeah, to see packers. who you were about to disrespect
1: my, my answer was going to be the Packers. That was going to be the one I was going to say, like, those between, because I, I just don't know. I just don't know if they're, you know. This there was going to be really
0: I, funny if the Packers beat the Cardinals on Thursday and then people are hearing the podcast on Friday. That's going to be really funny if you pick maybe, against the Packers.
1: Yeah, could be. I don't know. It's tough. It, it's just Green Bay's always just been right there, but has never gotten there, and their team has just not gotten any better since, you know?
0: I mean, they're a better running team this year, and they didn't have Bakhtiari or Corey Lindsley for the entire season. I know Bakhtiari is going to come back at some point, but they haven't had either of those, and they've actually been a better rushing team this year.
1: Yeah, Lindsley's gone now. I don't. I just don't know how if that's going to be consistent enough in the playoffs. It's tough. I mean, roster wise on paper, I just don't think they're better than last year, and last year they came up short. So unless Aaron Rodgers triggers a new, you know, a, a new gear. Um, I just don't know. It's it's tough, but I, let's be clear on this. I, I'm still putting him in that Super Bowl. I just consider taking him out for a second.
0: <laughs> All right, the final team I have on this list is the Arizona Cardinals. At the time of recording, still undefeated. We'll see what happens by Friday. But what? Well, who is the worst quarterback who right now could make the Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals? <sighs>
1: Oh, gosh. Um, prob- it's going to be a Tier 3 quarterback. Probably, probably Matt Stafford.
0: Interesting. I'm interested to see which ones you put ahead because mine would actually go so- a little lower. Mine is Baker Mayfield.
1: See, I feel like Baker's, I look, you feel like the Browns roster is a little bit better than the Cardinals. Honestly, he's just not being as good. So I, I would, I would say Herbert could Herbert would make it in uh, Herbert would, could win a Super Bowl with the Cardinals yeah, so roster.
0: All nine quarterbacks we have before tier one, tier two, they're in. So like Dak right. Prescott as the cutoff point, all of them are in.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think you add Herbert and Stafford. In this case, um, I don't think Cousins could. I don't think Tannehill Russ is up there t- I don't. I don't think Tannehill could. No. Um, Burrow. Mm, they, yeah. I. I could see Burrow doing it. I could see Joe Burrow doing it.
0: So maybe Burrow is the cutoff point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He might be. It's just so early for guys like that. I just don't know. You know, like I don't expect them to do it year two of their of their careers. But of course, that's we're assuming that they're on a completely different team. It's
0: completely situational. With the way
1: he's playing, if he, if he if he's playing the way he's playing right now, yes, it would be Burrow, and he would probably be the probably be the the cutoff line there.
0: What about Derek Carr? No. No. Okay. That's yeah. about where mine is. Cause Baker Mayfield is the cutoff point and Then I have Derek Carr behind Baker Mayfield. So I have all the people there. So Tannehill, yes. Um, Baker Mayfield or, uh, not Baker Mayfield, um, burrow. Yes. I would put him in there. Uh, I would put all the people you said at the top. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one person, but I might be wrong here. Uh, Carson Seven. Wentz is not tier three, so I don't think I would have Carson. Although Carson Wentz by fit, I think schematically Carson Wentz would fit well with what the Cardinals are doing with the air raid system or the 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 neutered air raid system as I like to call it. I think Carson Wentz would be a good system. I think Carson Wentz just kind of lacks the skill set at a certain point. But Carson Wentz is someone I could would consider ahead of like Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo and I don't know, like Tua, I guess that would be the next group of people. So I would say yeah. Carson Wentz gets a nod, but I just can't put him ahead. So, oh, and the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan. I forgot he's not in either, uh, but he's still, he's right there with Baker Mayfield, but he's not quite there. So that's my cutoff point there is Baker Mayfield. So I guess that's like what, 14, 15 quarterbacks I would have ahead of Baker Mayfield on that one.
1: Yeah. And I'm probably I'm like, what, like 12, I think so maybe just a little yeah.
0: bit, a little bit lower just ever so slightly lower just just barely lower
1: it, it's tough it's that's a, a fun game that is a fun game because i i can see it being a lot of quarterbacks uh, you know you, like it's all situational like there might be a tier 3 quarterback that can do it easier than a tier 2 guy you know
0: yeah i think tier 3 and tier 2 are not as far off i think tier 1 and tier 2 are probably further off but russell wilson's kind of hard to figure out it's just that Mahomes and Lamar and Rodgers bring certain gifts that are just and Deshaun Watson to a certain extent bring certain gifts that are pretty remarkable that are hard to replicate by even the great quarterbacks, but I think tier two and tier three aren't that far off like Brady kind of teeters in tier two and a half for a lot of this stuff. Same with like Dak Prescott.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I think it's pretty
0: accurate. I, I, I would it just it's
1: – it's tough because it really just depends on what you view at quarterback, like how talented they are, right? So, I mean, like, it, it, it's all situational, like I say. You know, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott may have, may have easier times with other teams. Well, Rodgers might be a better quarterback, but he might have a tougher time on with worse offensive line because he wouldn't have the proper protection. It would, be, it would be harder for him to be able to scramble out of the pocket since he's not as much of a, you know, an improviser.
0: All right. Right now, the Astros have second and first with no outs in the bottom of the sixth inning. And uh, this could be a break open rally moment because Kyle Tucker is at the plate right now. So this could be Uh their big moment to shine and blow the doors off the Atlanta Braves. So while we wait and see what happens there, you want to make some picks for the week?
1: Let's do it. I forgot how I did last. You are now the bad I did.
0: You are now the first place, Blake June wow. of Stripe Hype Cincy and Stripe who dropped a three <laughs> one and one week this week. So well done on okay. your part. Yeah, you, you had a tie with the Falcons, which was cruel of me to make you pick the Falcons in the first place. But in true Falcons fashion, you ended up with a tie. So congratulations on your <laughs> part there. Um, you had, I know you lost the saints game at the very end. Cause I know you were 3-0 and one going into the week. And then you ended up surviving the, you ended up surviving the saints game. So congrats to you on that. Um, let me see what else you had three wins. I'm just trying to remember what they were now. So you had, uh, the Raiders, that was a win, uh, the Patriots. That was a win. And you had the Arizona Cardinals. So, well done on your part. A three one in one week. You are in first place by a half game right now.
1: That is fantastic. Um I, I actually did pretty bad about pickups this week. I went seven and six. So you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy that my, my bets at least went pretty good. I don't think you're pretty bad weeks really, are not gonna lie. I always always make these picks and then forget immediately after like what I picked. And <laughs> I'm really yeah, bad about that. No. But
0: That's totally fair. These things are crapshoot, anyways. But everyone's above five hundred right now, so we're doing pretty well at this point. So let's roll. We'll start off with the Rams at the Texans. The Rams are fourteen point favorites.
1: (laughs) Only Texans are a bad football team. Uh, I'll take the Rams to
0: cover. Um, The Texans are
1: just getting blown out left and right. They just traded away Mark Ingram. For those of you who already know. Um, Oh, where's Mark Ingram? I
0: didn't know about this. Where'd he go? neuron saints
1: for a late round pick
0: oh cool um, that's a good that's a good yeah. return that's a, that's a fun one to have reunited i like that
1: yeah reunites with his buddy alvin Kamara. um yeah. so yeah mark ingram is no longer on the texans uh brandon cooks is unhappy obviously he got really mad over the trade he said it on twitter uh so i i, I doubt brandon cooks is going to be a texan much longer He's probably next to be traded as well. This is a rebuilding team that's running with Davis Mills at quarterback. I don't need to say anything else; they're just that bad. Um, I still don't know how he just destroyed the Jacksonville Jaguars. Apparently, Tyrod Taylor is a pretty good quarterback, so that's crazy. But that stat uh, only gets more funny
0: when he doesn't play. That Tyrod Taylor is plus fourteen as Texans quarterback in plus minus, and without him, they're like minus one hundred and fifty. It's unbelievable how funny that stat is. It keeps yeah, getting better every 30 point blowout.
1: It's wild. And I don't understand it at all, but yeah, apparently um, Tyron solid. So now they have to, uh, now they have to wait for him to return. And until then they're going to use Davis Mills, who is a very, very bad quarterback uh, right now as a rookie. Of course, you don't, really don't expect it, but, it's a tough, tough go around for them. And, you know, that's another tough team. They, they have a very hard schedule despite being a really bad team. And, uh, uh, you know, the Rams are going to do exactly what all the other teams have done so far this year at the Cardinals and just dominate them.
0: Yep. That seems to be the case here, even though the Texans probably won't win a game the rest of the season. Um, Titans at Colts. Colts are one and a half point favorites at home.
1: Give me the Titans to cover and win this game. They are the hottest team in football right now. And though the Colts are, have done well so far this year and are at home in this game, um, they haven't shown me enough to be able to prove that they're good enough to win these games. They Titans just came off of two big wins against the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Um, or, sorry, Bills Bills and Chiefs my fault. Uh, and, and I'm convinced that this team is pretty legit. I, I like Derrick Henry, of course. He's amazing. Um, they, they finally are finally... To find, starting to find some consistency in the passing game. I really think I look at uh, their defense. They look a lot better. I'm really impressed with how Harold Landry and Bud Debris these guys are playing right now. And it's just the team right now in the, in, the, uh, in the Colts, I just don't believe enough yet until I see them. So I'll take this cover and win this game.
0: All right. Next up, Jaguars at Seahawks. Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home.
1: Whew, this is another tough one because the, the Geno Smith show again. The, the, the Seahawks' defense look pretty solid lately. Um, the Jaguars are coming off of, uh, a, of course, a, uh, a win a couple weeks ago. and I think they're a better team now than what we saw them at the beginning of the season. So can they manage to score enough points to help stick up uh, to the Seahawks? I picked the Seahawks to win this game in my pick but I think I'll take Jacksonville to cover the spread here. Uh, I think this can be a really close game, and I can see Jacksonville pulling off the upset possibly.
0: All right. Good job on your part for uh, rolling with the Jaguars without having to ask about the Eagles or the, or I'm sorry, the Lions or the Falcons game, because of course our rule, you can change any game you want. You're just, your alternatives are, of course, either the Falcons or, or yeah, Falcons or Lions game. So I commend you for making the pick without asking for the alternates. <laughs> it, it
1: was tempting. Don't get me wrong. It was tempting. I, I, I was, I thought about it, but at the same time, uh, you know, you're just asking to get it wrong if you're betting on the Falcons or the Lions.
0: Except our buddy DSD, he seems to always get the Falcons right every week. I don't understand it at all. He picks the Falcons every week and every, or he picks against the Falcons every week, and he always wins or ties. It's it's unbelievable. He just he's like three zero and one picking a the card the Falcons games this year. I don't understand it at all. But anyway, got a
1: secret he needs to tell us.
0: Yeah, I don't understand how he did it. But yes, he is still on a roll. He'll probably pick the Falcons again this week. Who knows? Um, by the way, the Falcons are playing the Panthers and the Lions are playing the Eagles just for future reference. So, oh,
1: that's a terrible game. To yeah.
0: Both of them are three-point spreads. Eagles favorites against the Lions, Falcons favorites. Falcons are favorites against the Panthers? Jesus. The Panthers falling on that hard of times? I can't. That's kind of Sam shocking. McDonald got benched. Yeah. So. Oh, do, do you want the fun stat about Sam Darnold that I told Walter yesterday on the pod that uh, Sam Darnold in the last three games? So that's the the Eagles game, the um I forgot who they played in between. And then the Giants game um, in those three games combined, Sam Darnold had the seventh most pass attempts of any quarterback in the NFL and finished with 30th in passing yards
1: <laughs> that is tough what, what, what happened to Robbie Anderson? he has fallen off harder than anyone i've ever seen in my life he is terrible now have you seen him well
0: he was uh, to be fair he was terrible before it's just now he's terrible again he was terrible on the jets he was good on a contract year he was good with teddy bridgewater and now he's terrible again so this is kind of like yeah. a weird pivot on the robbie anderson train
1: it's crazy. I asked mean, DJ Moore. No one's producing, and I-, I was surprised. See, I looked at
0: some Panthers fan pages. They're calling for Joe Brady's head. What the heck happened? Have some <laughs> perspective, like, Panthers fans. Don't make me hate you, because it's too easy to start beef with the Panthers because they are a perpetually mediocre franchise. And it's like the Bears and Giants where we start beef with them and we're always going to win because those franchises have too high of expectations. Panthers fans, don't make me hate you because you're still good in our record book. You and the Broncos both are like, I want to hate you, but I can't quite hate you yet. So don't make me angry, Panthers fans, because it will not be fun for you. Ask Bears and (laughs) Giants fans on our page; it's not fun to be one of those fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I was shocked. I was like, "There's no way. Why? Why why would you want Joe Brady gone? Look how he's done."
0: No, it's a it's a total lack of perspective. That's just a total lack of perspective on their part.
1: (laughs) They just, they just. Are a good football team, in my opinion. I mean, you're not going to say, yeah, I will. I just don't think it, I like the players they have. They have potential, but they were still a year away. And I just don't think St. Donald. I thought St. Donald could be good enough for them to rebuild in the future or for them to build around in the future. But after this, after seeing this, there's, it's not the communication. Yeah. Sam the last Donald's month, I mean, be...
0: I knew they weren't 3 0. I knew they weren't that good, but the last month has been brutal for the Panthers. Just brutal yeah. to go through that stretch. So, uh, I doubt you ever want to pick that game at all. Uh, Washington yeah. is at the Denver Broncos. Broncos are three point favorites at home.
1: They're both teams that have also struggled a lot lately. Uh, you, know, you, you have a couple of questions. I have a couple of questions about them uh, both. And it really just depends on whether or not you're wanting to bet on Teddy Bridgewater or Taylor Heineke to win a football game for you. Uh, and that's a, it's a pretty bad thing to bet on. But I think one important factor I want to keep in mind here, Washington football team's defense has looked a lot worse than what they normally have in the past few years. Um, and to see them kind of fall off like that, they put a lot more on the offense Tyler Heineke to do a lot more. Uh, this is a Broncos team that can really stop the run. I think that's probably what they're best at at the moment on defense. Uh, and I don't trust Taylor Heineke in this passing game to pass the ball effectively. Against the Broncos secondary, so I think it's gonna be hard for them to put up points. I don't think the Broncos to cover and win this game. I think the Broncos are the better team right now. I trust them to be able to score a little bit more than what the Washington Football Team can.
0: Uh, so it looks like the Astros are up six two right now. It is the uh, still the sixth inning. They have third and second, one out. Jose Siri is up right now. So we will check back in on that in a second if maybe the Astros blow the doors off. Finally, we have Giants at the Chiefs. Monday night, Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites.
1: This is man. This has to be a bounce back game for Kansas City. It has to. If they don't win this game, or at least blow out, or if they don't blow out New York Giants, or at least win this game, I, I'm going to be very, very worried for the Chiefs in the future. This has to be a bounce back for them. they they're, they're. Listen, their defense has been bad. They've been really bad, but they're they're good enough to be able to stop the Giants, right? right? They should win this game. I think the cover as well. I'll take the Chiefs to win a cover.
0: The part that was concerning about the loss to the Titans is that the Titans were supposed to be one of the easy games on their schedule. That's kind of a problem going forward. Cause if that's one of the easy games, then you could lose a couple games here and there, but maybe they'll, maybe they'll blow out the Packers by like 17 and be fine. Who knows? Maybe that's what's going to happen in two weeks and we'll stop worrying about it. So who knows maybe they'll maybe everything's gonna be all right in Kansas City or maybe it won't who knows we'll figure it out later
1: <laughs> it, it can it could go either way right now for Kansas City that's uh that's really just uh it's scaring me because I keep saying they you know be patient with my homes and the chiefs and here they are losing to bad teams so I don't know it's it worries me but I'm I'm still gonna bet on them even even then I just can again I it's impossible for me to bet be against Patrick Mahomes. It's just never going to happen.
0: All right. I uh, I think I'm probably in the same boat as you, but of course I'm cradling my Patrick Mahomes jersey. So I am uh, clutching it to the very heart <laughs> of my chest as I fill. I hate baseball games are so slow. I just want to see how this inning is going to end so we can talk about it. But baseball games are ridiculously slow. I hate it. Anyway, so what, what are the standings right now in the, in the pickems? In the pick-em. Let's throw it up here for everyone listening at home. So currently Blake Jude is 19, 15 and one. He is coming off, I think a stretch of like six, two or seven, two and one in the last two weeks or something like that. Like you, you were 12 and 13 and now you you're 19, 15 and one. So you are blazing a trail right now. Uh, DSD is 17, 16, and two. He was in first place the whole way through. He has had like a three and seven stretch in the last two weeks. Well, I guess the one ties so like three, six, and one. And then, uh, myself and Walter Mitchell are 18 and 17 going into this week. Walter has, I guess I'll put this out here for people listening. He has the bills, the bears, the Cowboys, the bucks, and the Steelers this week. Uh, and I have so far the Cardinals, the uh, Patriots and the Vikings as my picks for the week. And we do not have DSD's picks at the time of recording.
1: Gotcha. So gonna be fun to, going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch a lot of that Raven, or excuse me, Ravens Browns Steelers game. That's going to be a game I'm excited to watch, even though both teams are injury riddled and not good right now. I'm going to watch it and keep a close eye on that. Cause all of a sudden, Bengals are at the top of the AFC North. So I want everyone else to suck as bad as possible.
0: <laughs> yes. Now you have rooting interest to hate these teams. By the way, we just filled all that time. There still was not a pitch in the baseball game. Still not a pitch. <laughs> not a single pitch. Now, did they do a mound visit? Yes. But still, I just, I'm upset. I, I'm done with this. So people go Google the result. Do you? The game's been over for two days. Go Google the result of what happened. <laughs>